you will please turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we are concluding our fall sermon series in the book of Philippians. So this is the last of the series, and then next week we'll move into our Advent sermon series. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 10 through the end of the chapter, but our passage of study is going to be verses 14 through 23 as we see that Paul here is thanking the church in Philippi for their partnership in gospel ministry. So we will apply this teaching and this thanksgiving to our own lives in our own context. This is God's holy word to us this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through the end of the chapter. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Aphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father, as we study these words, as we apply these truths, pray for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with our spirits, help us to understand and walk by faith. We pray in Christ's name, amen. I'll be honest with you, I don't like preaching sermons on giving or tithing or stewardship or any of those kind of things. That's just not in my comfort zone, not in my wheelhouse. I don't love the idea of breaking from a sermon series to, to, to teach and to preach on how we must be sacrificial in our giving so that we can build a building or meet our ministry commitments. But I don't mind doing it when our passage of study addresses it directly. And so here on, in, here dead on in our final sermon series, in the sermon series in Philippians, we have the topic of, of giving, of stewardship, of providing for others addressed here head on. 
And so as we close this wonderful letter, we see this highly skilled pastor, the Apostle Paul, ending his note of great encouragement with thanksgiving and joy as he tells the Philippians how thankful he is to them for partnering with him in gospel ministry and how they tangibly did so. And so this is Paul's thank you note. This is his thank you note to the church in Philippi. Not only had this church received the gospel from him, had been taught the gospel, grew in the gospel, but they now were taking their faith in Christ to the next level. They were acting on their faith by making Jesus known, and they did that very practically by partnering with the Apostle Paul in his ministry. And so as Paul would travel to other places throughout the ancient world, the Philippians said, hey, Paul, we want to be a part of what you are doing, and we want to supply you with gifts and with needs to help you do your ministry. And so what does partnership for a local church look like in the gospel ministry? And what are the benefits of this partnership? That's our focus of study as we finish up this wonderful epistle. And so from Paul's letter and from his example here, Sinclair Ferguson says, there's no such thing as a one-man ministry or a one-man missionary. It is the wonderful partnership of God's people working alongside one another to help in very specific ministries through partnership that serves as a pattern here for Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. This is a pattern of of who we want to be as a local church. Let me just take the opportunity to mention now, in your bulletin, you'll find this really bright green sheet so you wouldn't miss it. (laughs) So you can put this on your refrigerator or wherever it is people put things now in their homes so that you can pray and be reminded these are the missional partnerships of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. These are our missionaries, mission agencies, and people that we support, that we come alongside in partnership. And so just be looking at that that, and, and thinking about that and praying about that as we're going through this partnership that the Apostle Paul and the Philippian church had in gospel ministry. So missional partnership is entering into relationship with a person or persons to make Christ known and to glorify God. And so I want us to explore this in this passage a little further by asking a couple of questions. First, what does it look like for a local church to be in missional partnership with others in the gospel? And secondly, what are the benefits of this missional partnership? And so first, what does it look like for a local church to be in a missional partnership with others in the gospel? Well, according to the Apostle Paul, it looks like a few things. First, he says in verse 14, it looks like sharing in each other's troubles. Look at what he says there to them. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Now, do you know what the standard response of a southerner is when someone gives them a gift? No, you shouldn't have. (laughs) Oh, I can't take that. 
or it's too nice. Paul doesn't do that. He immediately understands this relationship and he, he thanks them for not only financial gifts that we'll look at later that he gives to them, but actually sharing in his trouble. And you remember Paul's trouble, don't you? He was in jail. He was imprisoned. He was in, in, in great need of basic necessities like food and, and shelter, water. He also needed supplies and he needed financial support for his later and earlier missionary journeys, especially for his work in Thessalonica. But it would have been easy to, for the Philippians to just forget about their friend and brother and just say, well, he's in prison. There's nothing more we can do. But they didn't just dismiss his predicament as fate. That was not their response. They loved their pastor, their missionary, and they wanted to share in his trouble. The Greek word for share here could also mean fellowship. So they saw themselves in fellowship with the Apostle Paul because our fellowship is with our triune God. And this is what it means to be a part of a local church and share with one another and fellowship with one another. It means to enter into a relationship where we're willing to help and share in trouble. A common refrain that you may have heard before as it applies to local church ministry is that ministry is messy. Ministry is messy. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think that about sums up this missional partnership that Paul had with the Philippians. They were willing to share in kind of the messiness of his ministry. They were partnering with a guy who was in prison. They were partnering with a guy who was going around stirring up trouble in places where they didn't like trouble. They were willing to get dirty, sharing in his trouble. What about you? Are you willing to share in someone else's trouble to the point where you might get a little messy in the process? It might cost you some emotional capital, maybe some physical capital. We must be willing to not only care about those whom we partner with in the gospel, but we must be willing to share in their trouble. That was the first thing about missional partnership that the Apostle Paul shared. The second one there was, Missional partnership does mean giving financially to missions. There is a financial component there. Look in verse 15, how Apostle Paul says to the Philippians that they entered into partnership with him by giving and receiving. And later we see in verse 18 that they actually uh, sent Epaphroditus to give him some gifts. We assume they were financial gifts. As you think back to this sheet, I want you to think about this, that this, this year, Cornerstone will give approximately $90,000 to our missional partners here and around the world. We'll give another $30,000 to support our denominational ministry at the Presbyterian General Assembly level that is involved with church planning and missionaries around the world and all sorts of things. I mean, this is not bad for a five-year-old church that we can do these things, but we can do more. We can grow this more. The Philippians did not tell Paul, hey, we'll pray for you. Hope it goes well with you. In response to his needs, what did they do? They entered into partnership by giving and receiving and sent one of their best guys to him to bring him gifts. And I think we all might think at some time or another that we wish the world didn't work on money, right? Why does the 
Couldn't the world work on something else besides just money? But it does, because God has ordained it to be so. And Jesus certainly taught a lot about stewardship and finances. But the truth is, it takes money to do ministry. It takes financial gifts to be able to fuel kingdom work here and around the world. All that to say is that giving financially to your local church is one of the most practical things you can do to support missions. That's why we, your leadership wants to get in front of you in every chance we possibly can, visible, tangible reminders of what your giving actually does do to support gospel ministry. And so it's a blessing that we can be a part of a local church that partners with those doing gospel ministry both here and around the world. And we do that by supporting them financially. And so I just want to give you a couple of examples so you know that where your financial gifts go, where giving to the local church helps. And so let me give you a personal example. So Cornerstone wasn't around back when I was in college, but there were many churches and many individuals who supported a ministry called RUF, Reform University Fellowship. And it was some friends that I had back in college that invited me to go to this Bible study. And that is where I first heard the gospel of grace preached. And it is why I'm standing before you today and where I met my wife. All because a local church said, we believe in this. We want to support this. We want to put a man on a college campus who will preach the gospel and lives will be changed. And I'm living testimony of that because the local church gave. Well, let me give you just one example from uh, Cornerstone. Um, we support a ministry called Sacred Road Ministries on the Yakima Indian Reservation. Why do we do that out in Washington State? Why not something here locally? Well, it's because we have a relationship with them. We have a partnership with them. That's why we're doing these these Christmas boxes, you'll see them stacked up here in the narthex to go to give to families that are in need. But years ago, as Quarterstone started supporting this work financially, we went to them and asked, is there anything we could do to help out in a tangible way? We were, support, we were supporting Sacred Road on a monthly partnership basis, but at the year end, the Lord had blessed this church and the leader said, what can we do to go above and beyond? And they explained to us and said, look, one of the primary ways that we do ministry here on the reservation is by providing transportation. No one has vehicles. And so the ministry goes and picks up people and children and brings them to worship and to church and to Bible studies and those kind of things. And they said, we're in need of a new van. And so you know what? Cornerstone got to buy a new van for Sacred Road Ministries to go and to pick up children and men and women who are hearing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time. And you got to partner in that. Those are just a few examples. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that a blessing to know, to see that fruit of God's work? All that to say, we want to be a local church that is on mission to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only here locally, but around the world, and being willing to share in troubles but also look to meet needs financially. And that's the third thing Paul mentions here about missional partnership. It does look like meeting the needs of others. And that's what he says there in verse 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. 
Paul was ministering to Jews and Gentiles there in Thessalonica. And the Philippians got wind of this and said, Paul, how can we help you? How can we meet some of your needs? I'm thankful that this Christmas season that we get to be a part of helping to meet the needs. You know, giving some playing cards and little Hot Wheels and things like that all shoved in the box, it just doesn't seem like a big deal, right? That doesn't cost us much. But if you see that going and blessing a little child who has nothing, it means a great deal. And there will be those who will be handing those out in Jesus' name that will say, here's a local church that loved you and wants to bless you with this because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know that your missions committee is in contact with, with all of our missional partnerships, ways that we can pray for them, ways that we can support them, looking for ways that we can meet their needs. And some of you have even been a part of that. Paul was profoundly grateful to the Philippians for meeting his needs while he was on his missionary journeys. And so let's all, let's all of us, as a local church and as individuals, let's look for ways that we can meet needs by partnering with those in gospel ministry. But the really cool thing about missional partnership is that what happens as a result when we enter into this relationship with those who are called to gospel ministry, both here and around the world. And that great blessing is that God gets the glory, and he blesses his church. God gets the glory, and he blesses his church. So let's look at these benefits of missional partnerships. The first is, when we give sacrificially, when we meet the needs of those who are in gospel ministry, the Apostle Paul says that our sacrifices are acceptable and pleasing to God. Look there in verse 18, as he, the way he describes these gifts that Epaphroditus brought on behalf of the Philippian church, that they were like a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. On this side of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, we no longer sacrifice animals. None of you had to bring your pigeons here this morning to give a peace offering or anything like that. And I'm so thankful because I guess I would have had to be in charge of that, right? The New Testament tells us, though, that we are to live sacrificially. We are to give sacrificially. We are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, the Apostle Paul says in Romans. So what does this look like? Well, we've already said it looks like sharing in troubles. It looks like giving financially and meeting needs. And when we do this, we are pleasing God. Our sacrificial giving, our sacrificial living is described here as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. This is language borrowed from the Old Testament. It first shows up in Genesis chapter 9 after the flood. After God had saved Noah and his family, Noah offered a sacrifice. He did not do that as a means of obtaining his salvation. God had already spared and saved him and his family from the flood. He did it as a a way of thanksgiving and praise to God in response to the salvation that God had brought to him and to his family. He did it to express thanksgiving. And we see this pattern developed more fully fully in Exodus as the 
sacrificial system is beginning to be developed and put into place is, is animal sacrifices are made to atone for sin, but also animal sacrifices were brought as a means of thanksgiving. And when these offerings, when these sacrifices were made, there's a familiar refrain heard over and over in the Old Testament is that when God's people were worshiping and living sacrificially in the way that he had prescribed and when they were offering these thanksgiving offerings, it says the Lord was pleased. He smelled the aroma and it was pleasing to him. It was like walking into your favorite restaurant and smelling that fried chicken is the first thing that came to my mind, right? <laughs> just go get some after lunch. No, after. You know, that, that just pleasing aroma of goodness. This is how God viewed their sacrifices. And that is the great benefit of our missional partnerships is that when we give sacrificially, when we do things sacrificially, when we enter into partnership, it is pleasing to God. He delights in the work that his local church does to support the cause of the gospel. And when we do so, it is for the glory of his name. Isn't that what we want to do as a local church? Isn't that who we want to be? that we please God with our ministry giving. Another benefit to our missional partnerships is there's, there's, a, re, there's a return on our investment. Look in verse 19 when he says, and my God will supply all of your needs, every need of yours according to the riches in Christ Jesus. It's a common thing in our culture that we want a good return on our investment, Right? If we buy a home, we want it to be in the right location with a good resale value. If we buy a car, we want it to be reliable, and maybe one day it too can have a decent resale value. When we invest in the stock market for our retirement or whatever it may be, we want there to be a good return, correct? But do we do, do we view missions that way? Do we view ministry that way? That it's actually an investment, that it's an, a, a partnership. You know, sometimes we can think of, we give to the local church, or we give to ministry, it's just a one-way thing. We give and it's gone. And that's why I want to do a better job as a pastor, and I know your leadership does, of telling stories about how our investments are paying off. There is a good return. There is a profound blessing when we do give sacrificially. And we do not need to fear that giving sacrificially will somehow send us all into poverty. Or as a church, we won't be able to pay to keep the lights on. No, we need to believe this promise here, that God will and he does supply our every need. And he will do so out of the riches that are ours in Christ Jesus, he says. So our missions giving is an investment in God's kingdom and his kingdom work. It's an eternal investment. Whatever we're willing to invest in God's kingdom, it will return the spiritual fruit. And this is why we must be willing to give sacrificially. Although it might cost us something in the present, do we believe that its returns are eternal and invaluable? And the final 
and, and even the most important benefit in missional partnership is that God gets all the glory. Look in verse 19. It's all because of the glory of Jesus Christ. And to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen, Paul says. It was John Piper who famously said that missions exist because worship does not. Missions exist because worship does not. In other words, the grand purpose of life and certainly of missions is that the nations would glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The goal of missions is to make Jesus known and that he would get all the glory. This is the benefit, the great benefit of missions, that God gets all the glory. This is Paul's response to the partnership that the church in Philippi had. He breaks out into praise. He, thank you, Lord, to God be the glory forever and ever. Great things he has done. And we, too, will discover that important and wonderful truth in our lives when we see that our purpose is to glorify God. And we can do that through missions. Then we will also discover, when we do that, what it means to have joy in Him forever. Our giving is for God's glory in our joy. There is great joy and great blessing and a great return when we do all things for the glory of God. These these truths bring us to some important things to think about, especially this holiday, holiday season. So I want to encourage you to think about these things. Do you regard your giving to the local church as a partnership? Do you? It's not a one-way relationship with no return on your investment. Do you see it as actual partnership, actually investing in what God is doing? I hope you do. And if you have any questions about that, I know your officers want to talk to you about that. Do you believe that God will supply all your needs when you do give sacrificially? And I confess to you, this is hard for me. This is hard for me, not just as a pastor, as a person. It's hard when you're trying to support your family and pay your bills to be willing to give sacrificially. It's hard. But the truth is, am I, are you willing to believe and trust that God will supply all our needs and that he will bless us when we give? Will we believe that truth? Do you believe that God has called you into partnership with him in such a way that your giving is for his glory. Yes, your giving helps keep the lights on. Yes, your giving helps pay my salary and the other staff. This is true. But your giving is also helping Vinny Athey teach and preach the gospel to a student at the University of Alabama in Huntsville who is hearing the gospel of grace for the first time. Do we believe that God is getting the glory in our giving. Maybe that's what it all boils down to this holiday season, is do I and do you believe that God will do what he says he will do? To believe that he who calls you is faithful and that he will surely do it. May God give us the strength and the power 
by his spirit to obey him and to believe that partnership in the gospel ministry by giving financially and meeting needs that he will supply your every need according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful conclusion here to Paul's epistle to the Philippians, where we are not only encouraged in knowing and loving and serving Jesus more, but we see very practically what it looks like for a local church to be the church. And so, Lord, we we pray that you would, would use us little cornerstone Presbyterian church, that you would use us in a big way in your kingdom work, both here locally and around the world. Lord, we want to believe you. Lord, we want to trust you. We want to follow you in, in the kingdom work that you have called us to. And so, Lord, help us to be faithful partners in the gospel ministry with our partnerships locally and around the world. Lord, thank you for these missionaries, for these men and women and these organizations that you've allowed us to partner with. Lord, we pray that you would bless them and that you would use them mightily to share the gospel, Lord, even if it's just with one person next year. Lord, even if it's just one life that's changed next year on the Yakima Indian Reservation, Lord, it is worth it. All for your glory. Help us, O Lord, to glorify you and enjoy you forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.